This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10 for you and up to three of your friends. And you could watch or listen to fine dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. What's up, shithead? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy. The number one fuckboy, Johnny G, standing six foot two, two hundred and ninety nine pounds. He's on the swing up. He's gotta turn this ship around from the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island. It's John Gabris. Oh, uh, all you gotta do is trust me, Jackson, Maine. You're still here. You hurt my voice to do. A portion is healthcare. Great, topical. At least that part of your reference is topical. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. Arthur cannot currently give a shout out because he is sitting outside the bathroom door while my wife showers, scratching at the door. He's got issues. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, first time guest, known this guy for a long ass time. Can't wait to tell you about the first show of his I saw. Yeah, from the Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Dickman, it's Neil Campbell. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Hey, of course. Thanks for coming <laughs> by. I appreciate uh, it. I'll kick this conversation off because uh, we're going to talk some UCB stuff. So in early, I UCBLA, when, when would that have opened? In like the late aughts? Yeah, 2005. Yeah. So I started at UCB New York around like 03, 04. Um, and one of the first like intros to UCBLA to LA sketch comedy era was watching. I was in a I I was in a sketch duo at the time, and Neil and Paul were doing uh, UCB New York, and we were like, we we should go see these guys. They're uh, UCBLA, and it was so fucking funny. This is now almost twenty years ago. I do not remember any specifics except for. <laughs> Careless whisper on a 2D saxophone. Yes. Or or yeah. Baker Street. One some yeah. saxophone song on a 2D sax. Yeah, that was our show. Paul and I did a show called Growing Up is Tough. And that was <laughs> uh and we were like uh basically, yeah, two adult man children who had run away from home <laughs> to move to like the big city that was sort of a you know, a kind of uh a, a an imagining of what a big city would be like. And so they were like playing saxophone on fire, <laughs> on the fire and escape, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. That specific stood out to me and burned in my head forever. And 
it's funny when you see a show like that, recognize who you and Paul are, and then like have no real interaction with you. Like, so like, I don't really ha- see you guys again till I move here. Like, or like a, a DCM. Yeah. And in my head, they're like, those are the two young kids from the sketch comedy. And it's like, when I move <laughs> out here, you're like the artistic director of the theater and stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah, right. We've all grown up. It's been 10 years. I should yeah. be able to yeah. try. Uh, UCB has broken my brain in that when I met people is when I like, they're still in my head as that. Like, yeah, I'll be like, that guy's a, fucking pain in the ass i'm like but i am guess i'm judging him on his 20 year old self so maybe i mean now he's a father of two he might be less of a pain in the ass yeah yeah i you know it's funny because i like i was the artistic director and you know people would not always be thrilled with choices that were Uh. made and there were a couple (laughs) like late night drunken emails i received uh or you know stuff the most thankless job in, in the UCB <laughs> community. You can only do, even when you are crushing it, you are still have to establish such intense boundaries. Yeah. Even if you're doing yeah. a good, I just remember Anthony King, like just being like drunk with him at like a party and then being like, start talking to him about my Harold team. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I am so sorry. Like that is not what we're, you do not, yeah. this is work for you. And now I'm like, can't believe you fucking cut me, man. <laughs> yeah, I've had that conversation. Uh, you know, yes, somewhat drunkenly. Uh, but they're trying more to than, more than once. This is saying that. Yeah. How frequently? Because this is a this is a vibe I've seen before. They're pretending like they are way too cool with it. Like, nah, come on, I know you had to fucking cut me, man. It's uh, oh, look, I'm uh, without a Harold team. I'm you know, and it's like clearly they are frustrated. No, one person there was genuinely really upset, and I hadn't seen that person in a while. Um, and the person probably had the right to it's be a- some, somewhat upset. It was, um, without uh, saying anything, it was it was my first time being in charge of like heralds, and one of the coaches said like, "Oh, I'll just call this person and tell them they're cut," uh. and then. I was like, okay. And I think I called, uh, if not everyone else, like most of the other, you know, however it worked. I, I, I remember he's a little hazy, but then that person, I think at DCM, I want to say it was like a year and a half later, but may, maybe just the next summer was was upset with me and was upset that I had never called. And I was like, yeah, that's, that I should have that's done reasonable. that. That's reasonable. Yeah. I kind of changed. I, I realized like, oh no, if I'm going to cut somebody, I should reach out and talk to them. And so I, I, Changed my policy thereafter. Uh, uh, that was, I think, the only time I didn't do that. How but. stressful! How stressful of a gig like that! Like, yeah. you got you got to be sitting there like watching auditions, being like, "Man, w- would waiting tables have been like a worse job to do while I was?" It there? was. <laughs> yeah, it was like. I mean, there were times I was like, "Well, I do feel well suited to it," so I at least feel like I'm doing a good job. Well, you, you um, objectively did a good job. You yeah. Know I, I mean, mean like, I do think it was a, <laughs> a good era for the theater. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like the quality of shows and stuff and, and the popularity. Um, but yeah, there were times I felt like I wanted to like make the majors or something. And then I got, I, I accepted the job as like the equipment manager, you <laughs> right. know? And so yeah, you're like, I'll coach the minor league team. And they're like, okay, well wait, wait and see what the major league set, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there were just times where I was like, you know, 
uh, I'm not really getting closer to like getting a writing job or or whatever that is. Um, because of the the uh, the bronze handcuffs of yeah, UCB. and there's just so yeah. much work and stuff, and um, uh, even like people were getting hired at Funny or Die, and I was like, well, I do more like. Huh? I'm, pretty confident in my like sketch writing and performing <laughs> abilities why aren't i on like the list at funny or die and like if i i who knows there could be a million reasons of, and it's not that anyone who got hired there didn't deserve it but i also like kind of think maybe they were like well he's the ad we don't want to mess with ucb like that right, for right, them right. into turmoil <laughs> like no please please give me you're a- like i'll throw this all away for a quibby show right now like, <laughs> exactly uh, i'll be on the forefront yeah uh, i found it was really cool when the uh, UCBLA, oh, because I had known a bunch of New New Yorkers that had moved, and the cool thing for me, I guess, was when I eventually moved here, I expected, oh yeah, all my New York friends who moved to LA will be there, and then you know, myopically, uh, city centrically, East Coast centrically, uh, forgot that like, what about everyone who? moved to LA first or started there. And I was like, Oh shit, all these fucking new people. And then, you know, like I had met a few of you guys at DCM and like people who are memorable, like, Oh, uh, Betsy Sodaro. There's yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and then you come to LA and then you're like, Holy shit. Like the competition, but also the friend pool has doubled in a way that is kind of exciting. And my favorite topic of conversation with mutual friend Mike Mitchell is how much the LA people hated us entitled New Yorkers when we showed up <laughs> or some LA people. He's just comfortable, yeah. uh, you know, saying all that shit. I'm sure. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, you walked in like you were cock of the walk. And I was like, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I yeah. was the 29 and thought I was. <laughs> yeah, I was. So I was artistic director from 2008 to 2012. Like basically, exactly like obama getting elected to getting reelected was like when i was working there like the autumns of the when he years. got reelected is when you were so angry that you quit being yeah like- i stormed out of there yeah <laughs> um and it was it was funny. like my mindset was like i want this to be like the coolest comedy theater in town and I want people to feel like if I buy a ticket to anything there, I can trust it's probably pretty good, that it's a well-vetted theater. And so I, you know, if people came in from New York and everyone was like, well, obviously, you know, Death by Ruru or whatever is yeah, right, a great yeah. group, you got to find a slot for them. Like, I I was happy to do that, especially knowing that most of those groups also had or, or quickly built a, an L.A. fan base. Um, so. It's, yeah, I, I, in my mind, I, it, like, there was maybe a point where, like, I kept hearing, like, anyone who came from New York what got so much hype, and then, like, there are a couple people I maybe saw, and I was like, ha, they may not be at a, like, well, there are a bunch bad, of New- but they, yeah. There are a bunch of New York, just so you know, there was a bunch of New York text threads going around of, like, look, th- this person just got, like, uh, is doing this, and it's like, they fucking sucked here. How are they succeeding there? And then it was like, oh, everyone will get found out eventually. Yeah, yeah. So it was... Um, well, uh, but you kind of monkey-pawed yourself by really blossoming the theater in those years is when the exodus from New York started happening. People are yeah. like, people are like, there's a theater in LA. The only thing I'm doing here, everyone's been thinking about moving to LA for audition, or you see, like, 
Paul she- Rob Hubel moves to L.A. and then he's in a movie, and you just right. your body equates those two things with like, well, I got to get to L.A. and then I'll be in movies. Yeah, know? and I, I, but it's funny because I do think like if someone from L.A. were to be like, oh, we're not getting slots because of the New York people, I would have. Uh, I mean, that's probably true to an extent, but I, I guess all I'm saying is like, when if let's say a show canceled, I wasn't like, well, let me just go ask like some like Harold guys to go do like uh, a friend, you know, uh, <laughs> right. an improv show. I'd be like, well, let me see if like Sarah Silverman wants to do an hour. Let me see if like, it was mostly just trying to like book kind of exciting shows like that. People would be like, Whoa, that place is really cool. You know? Right, and right, so right. I think that maybe got in the way of, you know, prevented people from getting the stage time they thought they deserved more so than yeah. like the shows that were just, like solid like wait <laughs> friday night shows that were you know yeah the 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 new york groups and stuff right right and and i i feel like you made the theater this place and everyone's like yo there's actually like a really cool theater in la it's like well the only thing keeping me in new york is this fucking theater so if i'm a big dog here maybe i'll be a big dog there and i didn't really show up with that attitude because i like i wanted to earn my place but uh, I, I knew other people who were like, yeah, it's crazy. I can't. And I'm like, what? I, I'm, I, I've, I, I've said to a person specifically, I just leave all names out of this. I was like, I'm like a recognizable face in that I'm a giant, like cartoon person. And when I came to UCBLA, I like stopped and introduced myself to everyone in the front and they were, and they were like, Oh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you can't like you have to keep manners afloat. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't think mod credits transfer like th- like that. Everyone thinks, or even, you know, Harold credits transfer like everyone thinks. Yeah. Got to Got to show up and and be ready to to earn it. Yeah. I mean, the when did you move to L.A.? It was it, I feel like the first time I was 2012, 2012. That's what I was going to say, because I feel like I went to like your birthday or something at like the the surly goat or something yes like, you did yeah because like i really in- i live near there still yeah. uh that's that's fucking crazy right yeah and i was like one of the first times i'd actually kind of hung out with you was at your birthday yeah. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> like one of our few first interactions was like hey i'm here at your birthday party good work <laughs> should uh, i sing it yeah <laughs> uh i want to say while uh you are the person who recommended me to Scott Ackerman to be a guest on Comedy Bang Bang, and that kind of launched a whole era of my career. So I got. Oh yeah, you, yeah. I got to give I, you thanks I, for that. Of course. I mean, yeah. I used to Scott used to ask me for Rex a lot. I mean, when I was AD and stuff, because because I still was AD when like the first season of the Bang Bang TV show wrote. It wasn't like a room that lasted long long time right, and so right. i i stayed as ad until the second season got picked up and i was like all right I, this I, you were I working this. on the first season and yeah <laughs> yeah you got called up to the ifc majors which is kind of like japanese yeah. uh super league <laughs> exactly and I, but i still stayed you know on the triple a team too but uh um yeah it, it's because people would ask me also like how did you get involved at ucbla like what should i do and i was like it was paula rest and i and, and other friends Got in at like the ground floor the month the theater opened. Well, Scott and Kulop had recommended us to like Besser. And then the month the theater opened, Paul and I went to the first, it was called Not Too Shabby, like the open mic for sketch comedy. Yeah. Besser we had was that in New York it. called Liquid Courage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Besser was hosting it when we did a sketch at the first show. Uh, 
which was like, yeah, Fridays at midnight or at 11, something, whatever that was. Then um, we went back the next week to do it again. And Besser was there and he came out front and he saw us and he recognized we had been there the previous week as well. And, and, and we also were on the calendar to do a show. Like they were testing out like a bunch of duos and sketch groups and stuff uh when the, the first few months the theater was open so because we you guys were, were doing you guys were doing you and paul were doing shit together before the theater yeah paul opened. and i went to college together at right. university of iowa and um and then we were doing stuff and and with our friend michael cassidy who also went to iowa with us and, and another friend named chris stangle and the four of us did stuff together and then paul and i also did two-man stuff together and uh and solo bits and stuff too but so we go the second week to Not Too Shabby. We're in line. Besser comes out. And he's like, I can't host a Friday at midnight show every week. Do you guys just want to host this? And so <laughs> just because we showed up two weeks in a row. And we hosted that show for like five and a half years. <laughs> I know. Like, we hosted it to like 2010. So I got to give uh, you guys credit for doing it for that long. Got to give Besser credit for doing it at all in the first yeah. place. But of course, Besser is like a hawk for people who work hard in our town you know like yeah you, are, you neil and paul guys you guys working <laughs> more you know <laughs> yeah so that was we we loved it so then we were i mean that really like kind of helped shape our sensibility and stuff too because we would bring sketches every week and then uh we were like at a certain point like well we don't have time to like write and rehearse a sketch every week it was like well what if we just sort of have an idea for one so it's sort of like beat out a little but then we'll improvise it and then that's kind of like still what we do because we do this show Playhouse masterpiece, right, still. right, kind yeah. of a similar approach. So. <laughs> when uh, best after Besser saw mine and Justin Tyler, my writing partner's uh, sketch show, he was and uh, he was like, "The show is hilarious, but you guys need to change your name. The name Tybris." I was gonna say Tybris, but yeah. <laughs> and I, I said to him, "I'm like." Well, like, I mean, Upright Citizens Brigade is like a fucking dumb name, too. But like you you guys built a rep and I watched his face kind of like fall. And I was like, oh, I thought that was like a given that you thought you don't think that name is crazy. <laughs> like <laughs> you, It's only not crazy anymore. I th That was the thing I would always talk about with like when people are like, I don't know what to name our team. Every name sounds stupid. I'm like. Respecto Montalban, Monkey Dick. Those are some of the worst names ever. And these are New York teams. But because they ended up being so fucking awesome, you were just like, Respecto. And they were like, cool. And like, these names all of a sudden didn't seem corny anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? I remember uh, Besser. This is basically that you, you say that to him. So uh, like also the early days of UCBLA, it was like the curriculum wasn't fully set yet. Like Ackerman right. was my first sketch writing teacher and he was just teaching sketch how he wanted to teach sketch. <laughs> right. Like I don't think we said the word game once, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, and maybe then I took like, I, I think I don't, I think then I took a class with Besser and it was a sketch writing class. And I remember he said something in the class uh, that was uh, like, like, you know, the best sketch should also theoretically be able to be an improv scene. And I like that really like bumped to me. He was he like like he's like, any sketch that you see, you should have been able to do also as an improv scene. And I think he was maybe saying it, you know, in defense of improv or, or right, like, like, like not, you should be able you should be able to you can with improv, you can reach the heights of the best sketch. Yes. That's yes. Like what he was. Doing. But he kind of meant it both ways. And I like <laughs> I had this like job. Where I was logging reality TV footage and I like was like, hey, can I talk to you? And he talked to me on the phone for like 40 minutes. And I was like, I just feel like any medium, the best example of that medium is something that could only, like 
only work in that medium. So like the best novel is something that is unadaptable to a movie. And the best, like, how is that? I have this whole, like, there, and <laughs> day like, one of your talk- class. This is awesome. And, and, and uh, Besser is the guy who, I mean, he he is standoffish. He is all these things. But he will talk to you on the phone for 40 minutes about comedy theory. Yeah, it was like sure. during my lunch break. I'm like, going like so I don't <laughs> agree that the best sketch, should, uh, the best sketch should be something you could have never improvised. It should be something like, <laughs> I was just, I, I was like, I can't believe he did that. That he like talked to me that long. That's what kind of can't believe. I was like, lunch break time. Not gonna eat today. I'm gonna walk around the parking lot. Oh God. <laughs> well, I, I, you talk. Let's talk a little bit about your early days at UCB because sure. I I kind of have si- similar story to you. Is like, I I joke that when I took my when I auditioned for Harold teams in 04, it was like the last year that sort of just like funny weirdos got put on teams after that yeah. it was kind of like people who knew what game and heightening and second beats were i was like the last generation of just not that i don't understand game i, I think i would i would have succeeded however but yeah. the, the, the last time i because the people are always like man how did you get in and i was like honestly they put like 16 people on teams this like one year and I, it just worked out that i happened to have been done with at the time three a like you know like <laughs> i wasn't even that deep into the curriculum i had like three classes or four classes under my belt and it was just like you t- you talking about call like talking about comedy for an hour on your lunch break from your shitty job is so goddamn not that logging logging tapes is what i was doing too but it was a shitty <laughs> no I, it's 100 a shitty job i was a pa on uh on vh1 shows and all i would do is like look at the improv resource center, like, uh, like uh, talk, talk to people about, uh, I am with people about shows we saw about, and I would eventually grow out, like get to the point where I was doing multiple shows myself a week. And then on days I wasn't, I was coaching other teams. And Mm -hmm. then during the day, me and my writing partner were together, like everything I was doing was like about comedy and in, and in no specific path. In like yeah. no real like in sort of like that improv every like improv like lackadaisical feeling of just like all I cared about was comedy. I could talk about it for you would just go out to the bars and drink with the same people that you just rehearsed and did a show. Yeah. Like there was a point where like Mailer Demon was running in cage match, rehearsing on Sun we had rehearsal Sunday nights. Uh, we were the anchor team, so we had Harold every Tuesday. We were running in cage match on Thursday, and then we had an every other Friday slot at under St. Mark's. <laughs> so I was with this team of people like 16 to 25 hours a week, not including like drinking after all of those uh, things. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have uh, friends, uh, you know, I was I was doing last day of school, started as a Herald team, then was a weekly team every Thursday night. And then I also was in the sketch group, A Kiss From Daddy, and we would meet weekly for a rehearsal and then had a monthly show. And that was just such baked in hangout time, both like the <laughs> rehearsals themselves or shows, but also then we'd go to birds or whatever afterwards. And it was like, once I stopped doing those teams, it became a challenge to see friends. Cause I was like, we never had to think about it. We just knew like, yep, birds after the show or whatever. We right. had these times and it was like, oh, we have to now make, make an effort to see each other and like maintain a friendship. It's, it was, <laughs> and some of them fell by the wayside. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, that's when you real. That's also when you realize where you're like, oh, so and so moved like six six months yeah. after. You're like, oh, right, yeah, we just weren't 
riding the train weekly yeah. or going to hit um, birds together every week. Yeah. My, so my early UCB, well, okay. I lived in New York actually the year 2002 and I Holy had graduated shit. college like a little bit early and I was like 21 and I moved there and there were some guys who had gone to Iowa who were a little bit older than me. And I, um, moved in with one of them and, and, or, and, or a couple of them and, and knew some other folks. And in my mind, I was like, all right, we're, you know, we're going to be this collective. And it was like, no, everyone had their own lives. We did. I didn't like show up. And then suddenly we were like this new, whatever sketch group or theater company or whatever I thought we were going to potentially be. And, um, so that whole year I lived in New York and I, I just like PA'd on films and stuff and was like, getting up at 4 a.m. every morning and you know we're gonna like <laughs> where, made where'd, in you, Manhattan where'd you live uh fifth avenue and 19th street in in brooklyn oh cool <laughs> yeah and <laughs> in 02 that's like that's you know pioneer time that's cool. this bar yeah. opened up called buttermilk that was like a few blocks away at like fifth and prospect or something yeah. and it was like oh this is like the, the white hipster like <laughs> outpost in this right. area like <laughs> um but uh, the whole time I was there, I never I went to UCB once because another guy who had gone to college with me was Jake Johnson. And he oh, yeah. was doing a spank show with this guy, Oliver Raleigh, who I didn't know. And they were paired with Cowboy and John. Their oh, spank show. That's Curtis Gwynn and Gamberling. Yeah. Yeah. And so I saw that spank show at the old space in O2, but they never like like it, there are times like, like if I had realized sort of what UCB was and that that is what I was looking for, like a community of people doing like funny and weird stuff i wonder if i would have stayed in new york but instead some of my friends then were, began to graduate and it was like we're gonna go to la and i was like sure i'll go too so i was only in new york one year so then was in la before ucb opened and paul and i were doing just you know and, and mike and, and and other friends as well we're doing as much as we could around and we were so dying for if not like a ucb like we'd all read that mr show book and it was like there used to be the Diamond Club and Bob would do a half hour show. Then Andy Dick would do a half hour right, show. And, right, right, You know, we were like dying for a place like that. And then when UCB opened and then Kulop and, and Ackerman knew that about us um, and they recommended us to Bester. So uh, we just like got to intern there and take classes for free like right away. We had such like a privileged entry point. And like I said, we were hosting the weekly show. Uh, we were... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you were like, like you were like conscripted more or less. Like they were like, we're opening a outpost here. It's like who's yeah. here? It's like well, there's these like 14 people that we know from New York, like Seth Morris and Hus and Husky and these people yeah. here. It's like, well, what about L.A. people? It's like ask around to other comedy heads, and it's you, like that first month of shows. We still talk about it sometimes. It was like this crazy. Like, he basically just tried everyone out. Everyone. <laughs> got way too ambitious and everyone's show was supposed to be a half hour and wound up being like 54 minutes long and had like <laughs> video runners and costumes and everything was like so complex and and we were going to see each other's like oh is this one going to be really good are we going to get and i think at the end of all of that like josh fadum charlene Yi, and paul and i and i'm sure others i'm forgetting kind of emerged from the the morass right. there and, and got like <laughs> runs of shows but um yeah we so also we those th that's a good foursome to help describe uh besser's taste yes yeah <laughs> like you, you and you and you and paul doing your version of solid uh well-written two-person sketch comedy 
but also Charlene and Josh being sort of like these wild card freaks are like exactly so in Besser's wheelhouse as well. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, then um, we were in like we take an improv 101 with Danielle Schneider and improv 201 <laughs> with Donna Fineglass. Hell yeah. And it was like during 201 when the audition auditions, the first time there were auditions for Herald teams, they had like preformed a few, um, I think out of like a Walsh class maybe. And, and one was just the faculty. Um, and then they're like, okay, we're gonna have auditions for Herald teams. But again, this wasn't like you needed to have completed 401. Right. It was just, we're going to ask teachers for recs. And like Donna recommended Paul and I, and we auditioned. <laughs> and I think we kind of were like cocky. Like we were thinking like, well, I guess we'll probably get on this team. Right. Uh, what's a Herald exactly? <laughs> yeah. And we did, we got on the team and that was, that was like January 06. And that was uh, last day of school. And I mean, I don't know that we're like officially done now, but we still had a couple shows this year, but That's I do think crazy. we are kind of, you know, I don't know the last time we got the whole, the whole gang together. So I think we're kind of <laughs> off the calendar and yeah. Or, uh, or, you know, we've sort of removed ourselves since I don't think any, we were really able to show up as a team, but that that's so awesome. I love the idea of you seeing a show, a UCB show in New York and maybe wondering if you missed something and then we, re- finding it even better with like some Iowa heads and like yeah. landing at one at the, at the beginning of it too. Like there, that's like such a, like a, a serendipitous thing to like, yeah, you yeah, were like, was, I mean, right near it. And then we're like, Oh shit, was that actually kind of cool? And then found it again, like, on well, and also yeah. like, I, you know, all the controversy about paying performers or whatever, like we used to be renting theater spaces. So we were like, you know, basically not having to do money. that was enough. Every, yeah, yeah. I was like, you have a tech person. Like, I'm not, pay- I'm not paying this person. Like it was like, this is such a dream deal. Like I was so stoked about it. Uh, talk about the, ac- I want to talk about my accidental discovery of UCB real quick. I yes. was in a short form and sketch group in college and I'm like making videos and shit, just classic, like, 20 something uh you know late teens nerd stuff and i went into the i went into i'm from long island just outside of new york city mm-hmm. went in to go to a knicks game with a couple of friends and we were just like let's go in like five hours early and like wander around the city someone's like there's a vintage store downtown that i love it's just like something <laughs> a girl said and we were like yeah we gotta go to something called cheap jack's once I moved to the city and I realized like a huge vintage store in downtown is just like an expensive tourist trap. Didn't know that yeah. at the time. So we go, we get a little lost trying to walk back to Madison square garden and we walk past just down the street and the 3d glasses are spray painted on a pull down gate. And it says upright huh. citizens brigade. And I go, Oh shit. That's like that TV show. I had the box because I loved sketch comedy so much. And I yeah. watched the DVDs. And, and I, I also, this would have been my junior or senior year. Once I was a beach lifeguard, I was making such good money in the summer for a 17 year old with yeah. no bills that I was going immediately to Blockbuster and buying DVDs from the used bin. And just, <laughs> I had like, I, I, so in storage, I have like all of Monty Python's flying circus. Like I have like every sketch comedy show that was, <laughs> I liked when I was 20 on That's DVD awesome. somewhere. I'm like, oh shit, that's so cool. Oh, weird. Theater. I didn't know they had a theater. That's so And then like back at school this like that next semester, I 
you know, meta crawlered. I don't think Google existed yet. I like meta crawlered <laughs> Upright Sins Brigade. And then it was like classes. And I was like, whoa, they teach. And I'm into improv. I only know what long form improv is from reading Impro, the Keith Johnstone book. <laughs> yes. But I don't know. <laughs> I didn't pick up. I didn't understand anything I was reading there. Yes. Yeah. And, and then I was like, oh, what? Is-? And then you click on it. And the, and the class descriptions were like bits back then. And it was like close quarter jungle combat like like all this stuff that was like that's you'll funny. learn wow. impro- <laughs> and i was like that's pretty fucking rad i know it's a joke but that's pretty so i signed up to take level one after my the summer in between my junior and senior year and i handed someone cat i hadn't it in hindsight i now a friend i handed chad carter like 300 dollars <laughs> cash that i went to the atm and i took these class and if i didn't see that in that, I mean, maybe I would have yeah. heard about it eventually because I did college improv, but I, I cannot believe. And I was just like, it, it blew my parents' mind and even my own that like the summer in between junior and senior year of college when I was just like an alcoholic party animal, I was like, I think one day a week I'd like to commute into the city from the beach and go take an improv class. My parents were like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then- <laughs> My senior year, I went back with like level one in my system, and I was like, "Short form is whack. We should just be doing scenes." God, That's you, good. And I was just like, so. And then I was like, "Forget, I'm graduating college. I'm getting some dumb job in New York City, and I'm taking classes at UCB. This is the truth. This is the real." And I didn't even have like a good teacher or even a good experience in my level one class, <laughs> but it, I was enjoying short form improv so much. And then just doing it without the built in sitting, standing, kneeling, and shit. I was yeah. just like, "This is the truth. This is you know." It's like from it's like taking the condom off or something. You're like, "What the fuck? I was wearing this thing for three years. Yeah, this rules." <laughs> Yeah, I remember, like, well, so we had been doing, like I said, sketch, and and that's where Paul, Russ, and I met um, and in this uh, show at University of Iowa called No Shame that was, like, also sort of like an open mic for sketch comedy, but it was really an open mic for anything. Like, you could do, you could bring your acoustic guitar and play a song, whatever. But it was in a theater, uh, and and it was largely people doing solo characters and sketches and stuff. And so... That had been my background, doing a lot of that, doing sketch. Moved out to L.A. Like, the four of us were doing, like, sketch shows here and there. Paul and I were doing things. But then also would go to open mics and do bits. But they were all, like, warmed over, like, like, I never did, like, stand. I wouldn't say I ever had, like, a good stand-up set. Like, I probably at sometimes tried to tell jokes, but it was more like doing, like. Presentational is, bits, kind yeah, of. Yeah, like something like Eugene Merman would do or something, right, right. you know. <laughs> and uh, in my mind. And so was you know uh uh improv was then the last thing i never did short form it was like well as long as i'm at ucb i'm interning and getting to take classes for free yeah i guess i'll take improv <laughs> and was my like last point in but uh i was like when i started taking the sketch writing classes even though i had been doing sketch at that point for you know counting college like five years it was the first time i was I like went like, oh, here's like a system. And I wrote the worst sketches in like Besser's class. I felt so <laughs> like ashamed and terrible about them. But I, it just was a thing where I did it enough times that I was like, oh, now I understand what a sketch is supposed to be. And if it's failing, you know, maybe why? As opposed to like a sketch to me was like a bunch of weird shit could happen for four minutes. And sometimes right. there was like a spine kind of connecting everything. And sometimes there was not. And yeah. 
I, I'm I mean, just yeah. I'm I, same same. So I suffered from the same thing of like I'm awesome at specifics. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and it's just like the shit I was writing was just like absurdist bullshit. That it was like you know like it, I, I, if I got better notes on it, it would be like people don't talk like this. This isn't like it was so unreal. Everything was like just like heightened stupid. Co- like yeah. here's one I did in college: the mangina monologues. I think very you can kinda, good. <laughs> I think you could kind of sort out what that might look like. <laughs> Paul and I still talk about we were in, I guess, at this point, Improv 401 and Seth Morris was the teacher. And he he said he was like, oh, that was, that's it was good. But, uh, you know, when you're hungry, <laughs> when your character is hungry, they don't need to, like, rub their bellies in a big circle <laughs> and, like, lick their <laughs> lips like like a cartoon character. You could just play it real. We are like, yeah, 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 good point. And uh, I don't think he, I, I don't the think note Paul was well-intentioned. <laughs> I don't think it ever totally psyched him. <laughs> I'm laughing at the idea of getting that note, and also I'm picturing Paul rubbing his belly. And yes, there's probably like one scene Paul did the next week, like struggling to not lick his lips and rub his belly, and then was like, "Fuck it, I have to do that." That's really funny. Seth Morris was my level two teacher in New York. He took over for Paul Shear, who is my at one point I was taking level two, and working at best week ever as a PA where Paul was a talking head and entertainment weekly came to do a story about Paul. This is 2004, 2005. Paul Shear had an article written about him, about how he was like the hardest working guy in comedy. Uh, This is 20 years later. I think he still might be. That's really (laughs) funny. (laughs) Like he just was do, he just does everything. He's just like a guy who's got his hand in everything in a cool way. And yeah. he's tr- trying all this different shit. And so I remember, so I, later on, he only taught a few of the classes. A couple of, uh, Seth took over for him. A few months later, six months later, I get put on a Herald team. And I get the call at my work phone from Anthony King. And he's like, uh, I'm going to put you on a Harold team. I'm like, oh, that's... So- Paul Shear is in there getting interviewed that day, like at Best Week Ever, and I'm supposed to like bring in some sort of prop or something into the studio. I come in and I'm like, Shear, I got put on a Harold team, man. <laughs> I could see he's like, I'm not positive who this guy like, 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 and I'm like, oh, we had three three hour classes, and like you kind of seen me in the office. I'm I'm having all this way. I'm like, can't wait to tell my teacher. I mean, now Paul and I are buds, but at this moment, I'm going like buddy i'm doing it i'm following in your footsteps and he's like that's great man okay <laughs> like back to talking about the bachelor or whatever it's like yeah all right yeah that's, what am i doing <laughs> one of so i've i've never like booked that much stuff off of auditions like acting stuff and and i wouldn't say it, certainly at this point it's not my main pursuit but <laughs> in general i never did that well um it but, is my main pursuit and i also did not do it <laughs> <laughs> well i disagree with that but i uh i uh, remember having one audition once and being like, I think that's the best audition I've ever done. Like I felt really good and I never felt good in that after an audition. That's a crazy feeling. Yeah. It was for the pilot of the league. And I was like, whatever, you know, it was like improv and I was like improvising something about like, I'm being like kind of talked into a trade. I don't want to make it. I was playing fantasy football at the time. So I knew like specifics I could use and was playing like a sad set. I was like, damn, I did really well. And then sheer, it was the part sheer played. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, 
I was like, well, what can you do? Yeah, that's he's better. That's that's <laughs> he's very uh, good. Yeah, you lost out to all the master comedy improvisers: Nick Kroll, Paul Shear, Mark Duplass, like all the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. But it was like specifically his part. And I was like, it's, it's like that story uh, about like Chris Farley, like after he's the girls broke it up with him and he's like, whoever she's with, maybe better looking, maybe this, but he's not funny. Or he's telling this to David Spade and David Spade knows that she's dating Steve Martin now. And it's like, <laughs> well, it's like, well, it's a matter of taste, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that's how I felt. I was like, damn, I couldn't have done any better. How could they not call me back? Oh yeah, I see. <laughs> the guy who is the best at it is up for this well that's what's that's what's really and and the ucb kind of was the my first step in this direction of like i was the funniest kid at my college i didn't go to a big college i was the funniest kid in my level one class and i was like damn i was the funniest one out of my friends i was the funniest one at i was the funniest lifeguard like i was just like yeah i'm king of fucking shit mountain i'm unstoppable (laughs) and then like i show up to ucb and i'm like oh there's like 400 people who are the funniest in their small rooms and now we're all in one large room i have this distinct memory of walking backstage for my first harold night into the ucb green room i'd only been in there on like a sunday at noon for like a graduation show and harold night for listeners who don't know is like the sort of like not big night it's not like it's popular among students because it's free at the time Four different teams of eight improvisers are going to do a show that night and you get put on these teams and you have a couple of Tuesdays a uh, a month that you're doing it or all four Tuesdays, whatever it might be. So there are a few teams hanging out back there and I'm walking back there and I'm like, I'm just going to be with my fucking people. I'm going to be with my fuck. And I walk backstage and I'm like, holy shit. These are like, and I'm like being myself and I'm like, oh shit, these are. Not exactly my people. In my, I had such a myopic view. I'm like, everyone's going to be like me, Chris. Fun- and then some of the funniest people in the world have the an insanely different demeanor than yes. I do. And I was like, yeah. oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I just like walk back and it's just like, you guys are like, <laughs> you know? and I was like, oh, right. This is going to be fucking very different. For-. And I, I just, every, every step of the way for me was like eye opening and more eye opening and more eye opening where I was yeah. like, and then once I fucking God help me, once I like branched out from seeing improv as like, and I was like, oh okay, now there are people who are doing things that I like. I can't do that even. Uh, oh yeah. fuck, man! And I, ev- I just been humbled every step of the way, and the fact that I'm still a little cocky is wild. <laughs> I so I forget if this was one one or two one improv one one or two one, but June Raphael was in the class, and Paul came to our class show. <laughs> and I remember I had some like group game initiation and I can't remember it, but in my mind, I was like, damn, that was really like a good premise initiation. It was kind of like a clever, uh, in my mind at the time, like mind fucky kind of like, like, you know, I love like those Mr. Show sketches that kind of, you know, where the snakes eaten its own tail kind of a thing. And right. Right. It was just it's something like, this, like this will self-destruct in a fun way. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I remember Sheer came up to me after the show. I was like, oh, that's really funny scene or initiation or something and i was like really like oh thanks that's awesome but it kind of fucked me up not not just him saying that but in general i was like that's what i always want to do is have an initiation that is basically 
I'm laying out the newest classic Mr. Mr. Show sketch on a platter. Like, (laughs) and I had to like hit a point where I was like, you know what? What's fun about improv is not know what's going to happen. And I can be fine just (laughs) initiating a scene, say, yeah, it looks like it's going to rain or whatever. And seeing where it builds up and goes to it, like having to let go of that, like needing to lay out a like a comedy premise that no one's ever seen before. <laughs> right, like, right. like really held me back for a minute. And it's so or, funny. Like once you've now been doing it for so long and with the same group of people, like you just come out and you're like, Oh weird. What's that on the floor? <laughs> you're yes. like, you're like, sorry, I was looking at the floor. I didn't have anything. I just said that now we're, and yeah, then we have honestly, a stellar scene. You build to kind of more scene. fun that way. You know? Yeah. yeah right. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Dude, I don't know much about the science behind temperature at night, but your big boy here likes it cool. So... I love the Miracle Made self-cooling properties for better quality sleep. They have silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, dude, and they are thermoregulating, designed to keep you the perfect temperature all night. They are self-cleaning. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99% bacterial growth, staying cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. Don't take that as too much of an excuse, fam, okay? Don't don't become full, you know, gremlins with it, but man, you can uh, you can keep these on for longer than you think. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends, or family who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets. And since these come with three free towels, get two gifts in one just in time for the holidays. Dominate Secret Santa. Go to trymiracle.com slash mighty. Trymiracle.com slash mighty to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo code mighty at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash mighty and use the code mighty to claim your three free, free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash mighty to treat yourself a friend or a loved one this holiday season. This episode is sponsored by NordVPN. NordVPN offers many tools to improve your online experience, and it's easy to use. Connect with one-click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. NordVPN has 5,900-plus servers in 60 countries. Find a server near you for better speed or connect to a faraway location to freely explore the internet. Plus, they have amazing speed. It's confirmed by multiple tests. NordVPN is the fastest VPN out there. Don't miss your favorite content from home when traveling abroad. With NordVPN, you can access your favorite shows anywhere in the world. It takes just a click. Open the map, click on a location, and you'll be connected in seconds. It's that easy. Using a VPN can help you find services at a lower price. Want to use a platform that isn't available in your country? Simply change your virtual location. Plus, no more bandwidth throttling based on traffic type. Since NordVPN encrypts all traffic, your internet service provider, your ISP, I'm cool knowing stuff like that, can't slow down your streaming speed. So get connected today at nordvpn.com slash mighty. That's nordvpn.com slash mighty. 
N-O-R-D-V-P-N dot C-O-M slash M-I-G-H-T-Y. Get on the internet. In my level one class show, a grown, you know, I was a 21 year old with like uh, frosted tips and wearing <laughs> flip flops and board shorts. A, a, a grown woman, like a, in hindsight, I, you know, I, when I told this story when I was 21, I said she was 40. She was probably in her 30s. Mm-hmm. She slapped me in the face in the scene, like super fucking hard. Like, and like she just had like one of those panic moves where you're like, this will get a laugh. And it was so hard. And it was, you know, 15 people in the crowd. And you heard like a couple of people go like, oh, <laughs> and I was like, wow. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. This theater is nuts. And in my I, head, in my head, I was like, this is something that can happen. <laughs> like, and I just was like <laughs> ready for shit. Like that. This was not as like deliberate, uh, uh, but when I was on Herald Night uh, last day of school, I was walking Someone said with the line, maybe it was me, maybe it was someone else that got the blackout at the end of the Herald. And I kept walking and I I, I, I assumed Paul was also going to keep walking whatever trajectory we were both on. But he stopped in the blackout and I went full bore my nose into his forehead. My nose is still crooked, like you can see. And it's, <laughs> I, I like came up and I was dazed. I don't know if I started bleeding from my nose on stage, but if not, it was the second I got backstage. And I like went into the green room and people were like, whoa, Neil, are you all right? I was like, uh, one sec. And I went to like the rear dressing room and literally did like a <laughs> with my nose, oh. trying to push it a little back into place. And then like went to the emergency room and like John Bowie was our uh, coach and he felt bad and came out to like the hospital to see me and stuff. Oh, like, what a good soul. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. It was really nice. But uh, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> it was like my first like two months of doing a Herald and my nose is forever impacted by it. Yeah. Uh, random level one story. I, I, uh, Shannon O'Neill. Uh, would later on was hanging out. I got this text from her. Uh, she was the AD at, for a while in New York. She uh, was hanging out with Vanessa Byer, found out that Vanessa Byer took level one and at UCB. And she's like, when was that? She's like in the early two thousands or whatever. And, and Spo was like, do you remember anybody from your class? And Vanessa was like, there was like one big loud tan guy <laughs> and he was like oh and she and, and Spo just goes I bet you that was John Gabers hold on let's look him up in the computer and it was I was in level one with Vanessa Byer and we don't we're now friends but we had no idea that either of us existed like it would like just yeah. just I I was like being tan and coming from like an outdoors job was blew the mind of like anyone who was involved with UCB at the time <laughs> it's like well we're all indoor freaks I remember one class we were in the uh the the classroom on 23rd street and it was a delaney class and there was like you know one of those like japanese paper dressing walls that like uh-huh. divided like half of it and besser just comes out of that half of the room like by him like and walk and we were like holy shit that's mad besser that was mad besser and after class, I was like, I got to see what's over there. And we, I kind of like creeped over to look what was over there. And it was just a bed. And I was like, yo, God, this place is fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, a, what, like when, when you were, do you have any, or have you, do, I know I've performed at both. You don't really know New York that well. 
But do you do you hear of any differences when because like I I don't have much of a comparison. Like they, it's very New York felt smaller to me, but I think that's just because I was there first. L.A. felt like yeah. there was just L.A. and maybe it was. Uh, 2012 versus 2004 LA was more diverse um, LA had more diverse in the way that corporations talk about diversity but also in the yeah. uh, output of styles of comedy like wait New York like was kind of into like would have whiplash but we didn't have like a comedy death ray we didn't have a lot of all that stuff was we had very few like non homegrown UCB people doing shows like Crash Test was like, even uh, uh, Crash Test was uh, Rob and uh, Paul anyway. Yeah. Uh, but like there was, when I came to LA, I was like, oh, this is cool that this person has a show here. This person does like, there's like a stand-up variety. Like that shit wasn't really happening at UCB. So I, I thought that, that to me was so cool. Cause I was like, it, yeah, there was like less improv on the calendar in a way that. Yeah. I mean, that me. was like, like, like when I was AD, like that was part of. I think the reason I was hired was because like, well, I knew like, cause Ackerman had comedy death ray. Then comedy bang, bang was the Tuesday night, like stand up showcase show every Tuesday at UCB. And that ran forever. That was going that ran forever. forever. And, um, uh, and then, yeah, there was like, well, Rob Delaney had a monthly show and the, 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 uh, Garfunkel and Oates had a monthly, you know, right. Uh, or, or event didn't always, but, but while I was AD at some point began to, and, um, uh, so I think that, and, and, you know, I was buddies with standups, though not good at it myself. And I knew that world, you know, like, like not, I knew the world, like, yeah, like, like inside and out, but compared to some people around the theater who were like improv people who were just like, you could say the name of a standup and they would have no They're idea. They're like, I don't watch standup. You're like, yeah. Really? So I was, <laughs> yeah, at least I had like a familiarity with that in the world of sketch, which is more what I came from and all that. So, um, yeah, that always was like trying to find the balance and having like, well, we have these improv nights Monday and Friday and da da da. But um, yeah, in terms of New York, I mean, I would only ever go out around DCM, so I never really right. knew it. I think the thing in my mind, and I don't know how true this is, but the thing that I always felt like we fell short of was like we would occasionally do there would be like a movie form group, and I was in it. And and there was a class that was the movie form class, and then a team sort of formed out of it. And we did some shows, and there were funny people on it, but it always felt like we were struggling with the form itself. Like we were right. like, uh, we're, I know we're all funny, but we're trying the to make the form it is like in the way of you guys. Yes, having a good show. and you would just hear about like the New York movie form team, and it, I, I never saw one of their shows, but in my mind, it was just like they just kind of all nodded at each other and knew, like, yep. This one's a political thriller and we all know the tropes of every political thriller and just like knew how to go, okay, we pull out and it's revealed he has been shot in the back of the head or whatever, you know, yeah. like, it's, and in my mind, they like were just such like a, a, a collective mind that I felt like whenever there were those like, or, or like our team tried to do like the, um, the the Laronde or whatever yeah coming, yeah and we were just always struggling like and now it's back where it began like <laughs> and it was 
you know, and if it was just like doing funny scenes, I, you know, which is eventually what we did, we get text messages and just do scenes. Uh, <laughs> then I was like, all right, good. We're being funny. This is our strength. But I always felt like, God, there was like some discipline and some people that really fucking knew this shit in New well, York. Well, uh, New York the, had that thing too, where it had like the people, the power players who were around forever. Like the people who were doing the movie for him were also the people who were rocking it on the Friday night show and mm-hmm. teaching level two. And doing a sketch you know like you could just see so much wild shit like when i came up it would be like you watch husky manzukis and seth morris absolutely annihilate uh just their improv show then you see seth morris curtis Gwynn, and some other variation of the of the 30 best people at the theater do this form then you see seth morris and brian husky do trev and the revs uh, uh yeah. sketch comedy then you see and it would ju- it felt like a little bit because it was smaller than it, newer yeah it was a little bit felt like the players there were like you know the ucd yeah. players and you're like i just want to be one. and i was eventually one you know where yeah. mine and justin's sketch show was running weekly i was on harold night i was running cage match i was sitting in on other shows i was doing the hosting the jam and like the theater was small enough that I got to do all that. Now, I don't know if this is 20s versus 30s, but my big thing was New York bitch shows used to go fucking hard. They It used to be <laughs> like a bitch show was pretty much a party backstage that you had to take like an eight minute break from to go do <laughs> something on stage. And I and I I don't know. Like, I know also bitch shows are just annoying like to try to sell tickets to or whatever. But back in the day that felt like when I came to LA, I was like, I'll get to know everyone doing bit shows, you know? And yeah. that just like, wasn't as much of a thing. As a matter of fact, the bit shows I did when I moved to LA were being hosted by other New Yorkers. And maybe that just wasn't part of what LA was built on because you guys kind of had a whole yeah. comedy scene to just be like, let's build a theater around it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. I don't ever remember the bit shows ever being too much of like a a place where people came together to sort of compare, you know, or or see what each other did, or or being a social center either. Right. Um, but it was more uh, about like everyone would just be backstage in like insane. It was like a fucking movie. You would be like backstage in insane wardrobe costumes gags or whatever and getting fucking blasted and on stage would be the demon Halloweenist that we all had to go out and impress so that yeah. uh, so that the world <laughs> wouldn't get sucked into hell or whatever and they were all just like random fucking setups to just in- and like you know we had we had some local character oh here here's something UCB New York had that UCB LA maybe had in its early times UCB New York came from such scratch that there was like Probably a dozen legitimate freaks that weren't even like doing comedy, which sometimes do stuff, seem to maybe work at the theater for free in some weird way. Like <laughs> I, I kind of know at least a couple of the people you're talking yeah, about. I saw yeah. some of them are still around in, in various capacities, but there were like 10 to 12 people, mostly dudes, I think may, probably all dudes, that were just like, Hey, like eventually you, you'd be doing comedy for like a year and a half and you'd be like, what do I have to like respect this person? Like is are, and there and someone would be like, no, this guy's a fucking psycho. They just like no one knows how to say get yeah. out of here at this point. It's like there are just people who are like vestigials of like old like and, you know, there was a little bit of early on fostering that kind of like punk collective vibe that. Yeah. Uh, 
But I, when I came to LA, I was like super impressed about how many, how, how whoever you interacted with at the theater was there for a reason and not just like, I'm here every night. You're like, oh, really? I mean, I, when I was AD, uh, this may kind of like tell a story of, of how it changed in a way from at least 08 to 12. When Herald teams like would first get formed in 08, I remember, um, or like even, but not even necessarily Herald teams, when there'd be like a new talent around the theater, uh, a performer that people was just were coming to people's attention. I remember being like, if you want to get a, and, and I was hearing this from agents. It was like, someone needs like a one person show to like get a, a representation. Right. So if right. you see people like, I remember like, uh, I thought Stephanie Allen was really funny and I worked with her and directed her like one person show. And uh, I worked with a lot of people on like, either a one person show or like a two or three person like sketch group show or whatever. And by the time, by like 2011, I'd get emails from reps like, Hey, will you include me on the list when you announce the new Herald teams? Like they wanted to know the names of the new Herald team members right away in a way where they used to be like, I'm not going to just sign someone off of an improv show. I got to see what, how their brain works. What's right, their right. one person show? Can they get an SNL audition? And it, it went so quickly to, like, or maybe not quickly, but it, but by the end, they reps were just like, I'm going to try to meet with the new hot shit at UCB. I don't need to wait for them to have a show. That's so funny. Yeah, UCB New York in the early uh, aughts, mid-aughts, had like the classic pattern of like, at first it was like, Everyone takes everyone who's at you who makes Harold Knight like takes a Brooke and Mary commercial class because Brooke <laughs> and Mary love UCB and they'll help you get a commercial agent. Then you get a commercial agent. Then everyone's like, you should have a one man show. You should do sketch. You got to get Jane Borden from Time Out New York to come to your show. <sighs> if you get a review in Time Out New York, you'll sell out weekly. And so it's like always busking, always hustling. for. And then it was like, you got to get a sketch show. You got to get into Aspen. You got to get it. Yeah. It was like. Fucking like uh, Doug Mand, Dan Greger, and Adam Pally. Mm -hmm. They they like made a pilot presentation themselves, and it got like that became the thing that everyone started doing at the theater. Everyone started being like, "We're not writing sketch anymore. We got to write a, a full script and then shoot like an eight minute version of it with like a high, with a high end camera." Yeah. And that and then everyone tried that, and only only a handful. Then Derek Comedy kind of dropped in with doing like uh, sketch videos, and they were like yeah. the first. There were sketch videos were popular, but they were like the first UCB people who started doing sketch videos, and mm -hmm. their director Dan Ekman like elevated them in a way that they were more cinematic than a lot of stuff at the time. And then every single person started making video <laughs> sketches, and it's like. We just like anything that worked, people would just be like, "Yes, that's the answer." Like, yeah, there was like a swath of one person shows after like someone someone's one person show who I can't remember. They weren't even like a, a hardcore UCB person. They were, it might've been like Eliza Coop. Like mm -hmm. there was someone who wasn't like a full blown homegrown person, but they did a one person show and it like did gangbusters for their career. And everyone's like, it's one. Yeah. Per it's like, honestly, I remember hearing someone who's going to sign eight guys to a sketch show, you know, like yeah, birthday yeah. boys have said this, some version of this forever, but it's like, you're like, right. We got to, it's about, and then all of a sudden it's like not about improv anymore. You're like, yeah, I just do Harold Knight. It's good to hang out. I love it. I enjoy it. I want to be good, but 
the future, my future is in this one man show I'm working on. Yes. Like, yeah. And everyone just kind of went fucking hard. And, and I think that kind of, I think, and I think New York, we weren't like thinking about careers as much. And that made the theater a very special place. But then in my 30s, when I moved to LA and hung out at UCB, UCB felt like a lot of people's second priority in a way that I think made the theater better too. Like New yeah. York, New York had like theater camp energy, which was like so fun for a while, but a little too insular. And people, people were like, I'm never leaving. I'm holding, I'm, I'm not doing these four shows forever. And, and so like that, that was another big difference for me. And I don't know if that was, 05 versus 2012 or my 20s versus my 30s or New York right. versus LA. But that when I came here I was like I just love how people are like yeah it's a UCB show. Like not like in New York it would be like you would have like critiques of who got added to a Harold team that maybe you haven't even seen. You'd be like they put that lady on that team. She is only good because she was on two good teams before, you know, and like now in LA, it's just like, yeah, when I came to LA, it was just like, and, and maybe it was just too much, too many people, new people for me to like get caught up on Goss and, and all yeah. that. But it was such a relief or refreshing for me to come to UCB LA and, and everyone would be like, yeah, no, I love my improv team, but I am on a TV show. <laughs> you know, like, all oh, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it felt like it was less like we've found this sort of audience that's been looking for something like this and we're building up this sort of like cult following and a little bit more like, all right, we're kind of already plugged into the system here. Right, and like exactly. People know to come here to scout for talent and stuff. And yeah. It was um, almost like UCBLA wa needed, wanted performers to come to them. And UCB New York had like performers first and needed an audience to come yes, to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, it's we're just going to be creeps in this fucking basement. Whoever's here is here. Lock the doors. <laughs> you know, we're going. <laughs> and yeah, the creep fact. I mean, we're also discussing this from, uh, I'm sure if this was like, if there was one woman in this conversation, they'd be like, you guys haven't talked about any of the main things about <laughs> getting involved. Yeah, you're like, UCB. hey, you guys, you, you two white straight males who showed up at the theater and kind of succeeded the whole time and you guys like yes i uh, we understand our perspective it's not everyone's there like i remember like a couple different like times where there was sort of like a show and it maybe maybe it was a bit show or like three on three tournament or something like that or or cage match and like it being sort of like oh this was the first night a bunch of the theater like took notice of a pretty new girl and oh, it God. being literally like that scene in like out of sight where the guys each take turns trying to go talk to Jennifer L Lopez at the <laughs> bar, like birds would just be like that. You would just see like one at a time. Each guy, come, eh, it was really funny, actually, like just dude. every <laughs> fucking UCB party. You would just watch like Ellie Kemper have to like walk away, walk away, walk away, <laughs> like just like every God knows I'm based on historical evidence. I'm assuming some people were awful, but it did seem like a lot of it was just like, hello, you are in a, you know, like, hi, yes. Ellie. And she's like, hi, okay. <laughs> like, and of course she, people like leaning on how nice she is, but you're so right. It's like calling it like out of sight or that is like, yeah. it is also like blood in the water for sharks. Yes. Like, yes, yeah, for like, exactly. <laughs> prey and predators is one way to phrase it. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
but so and and I I remember coming in like part part of what bonded me and Pally really early on. A we got put on our first Harold team together, but we also had come in with kind of serious girlfriends, mm-hmm. and we are both now still married to those girlfriends. So for us to, it was also like this. Oh, we're not fully into this part of the scene. And then also our wives were like, we're not going to your fucking show or like, we'll go to your show, but we're not hanging out at McManus after we're like, yeah, no, that completely reasonable. Like, yeah, that makes total sense. (laughs) I barely enjoy myself there. (laughs) And so I'm on pint of Jameson and Jameson and ginger ale in a pint glass was my drink for way too long oh, as wow. a 20 something for I spent like $11 on a drink <laughs> 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 broke ass fucking living off coaching improv money like yeah man i remember uh, that bar when i lived in brooklyn and that bar opened i just remember going in there at times and, and like asking how much different bottles of beer cost like that that's oh man i mean and that's still how some people have to live it i it's i I, i'm fortunate that it's not for me anymore but man that's like a that distinct memory dude uh when i i had a to jump back to what you said earlier about moving in with those iowa guys thinking you're starting a collective I moved in with two guys from my level two class, that aforementioned Paul Shear class. Mm-hmm. I moved from my mom's house on Long Island into a, a Williamsburg apartment with those guys. And we were a three-person improv team called like Robot Ninja Bear or whatever. And we Great. were like, we're going to move together. We're going to make videos. We're like, we immediately all started like hating each other. I got put on a Harold team. No one else did. They were like mad at me. Like, like all this shit. Like we immediately. And I was just like, oh, I was thinking we're going to be like this. But that was like the brokest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And there was a place on Bedford Avenue that I walked past every night at a Mexican restaurant called Bonita. And Bonita would give you a little like to go tray of rice and beans for $2. And I ate that four nights a week. Like I would just <laughs> eat rice and beans. I was, and I mean, I was, I would spend $2 on that, but then I would go out and spend like $40 getting hammered like a fucking yeah. idiot. No, I would have like a can of black beans and then mix salsa in like so much <laughs> <laughs> like a meal. I was like, all right, that's good. I would like, Bring a tall boy to UCB when I was performing because like buying PBRs were like getting pricey for me. The, the <laughs> PBRs when when the theaters first started selling them were two dollars a can, and that was like yeah. I was like I can get a tall boy for dollar ninety nine. Let me grab a couple of those first. <laughs> it's like how do I need to get so? And I I, I was like. I I tied improv to drinking so hard for so long too, mm-hmm. where it was like, wow, man. When I moved to LA, I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this fucking show with having to drive everywhere. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe I don't have to get blasted to do your <laughs> effed up family. <laughs> uh, Neil, uh, this was this was fun, man. Um, yeah. Again, I I just want to thank you for whatever this was 11 years ago, saying to Scott Ackerman, "Yeah, John Gabers is a new guy to LA who's good at improv and funny because." Truly, I started doing Gino Lombardo. Like that was the first <laughs> character I did there. The only character I did for seven years. I did my own podcast. I launched a Patreon off my own. All met met so many funny people outside of UCB via Comedy Bang Bang. And I I always will credit. I will always credit. Well, you Well, that. that's yeah. kind. I mean, I, I you I <laughs> you're so hilarious. I I'm in awe of your talent. And uh, uh, I I 
Like, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Listen, I didn't you watching your fuck up your vouch. I didn't let. I didn't let. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't make you look bad. That's I wasn't ever worried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speak. Uh, speaking of vouching, you have a show to plug that I oh, watched. Yeah. The, I watched the first uh, few episodes of the first season. The show's so fun. So fucking Thanks, man. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're on um, Paramount Plus now streaming. Uh, it was a very old school model of we aired once a week on Comedy Central and worked streaming and now uh as of december 6th uh we are streaming on all the episodes unbleeped all that on paramount plus so that's oh that's uh, awesome so I'm, this episode will come out about. after december 6th so it's out now on it's paramount out. plus Great. check it Great. out yeah. and and you guys are working on a second season we're working on the second season yeah yeah and andy samberg and i created it together and it just sort of came out of talking at i was, I was working on brooklyn 99 and and just wanted to make something super funny and goofy was was the real impetus of it. Uh, uh, yeah, how would you describe show. it? Like, I would say it's like a animated Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's like parody. a shithead, like dumbass Indiana Jones guy, um, voiced by Andy, and he's kind of and it's like a it's set in a world where archaeologists are big celebrities and get like <laughs> endorsements and and you know treat if they make a discovery, it's it's you know like like winning. A, you know, a game or something. They're they're treated like they're <laughs> athletes or celebs or whatever, winning uh-huh. an award. So they're uh, uh, all sort of shitheads and and full of themselves. And and Andy's character Rip is kind of on the comeback trail and and uh, has his little group of weirdos. He's out having That's adventures awesome. with. Well, uh, you hear that shitheads? Tune in to Paramount Plus and watch it. I'm assuming like half of these mouth breathers have already watched it. These comedy nerds. If they're if they're listening to High and Mighty, I think that means they've already watched an episode of Digman. I, 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 yes, this is <laughs> I'm targeting this audience. This is a, this is a let's, calculated move coming onto their your show. Let's go, people. Let's get out there and check out Digman. Um, <laughs> uh, Neil, and and also if you live in LA, you gotta go see Playhouse uh, Masterpieces. It's such a fun show. And what? Did I say it right? Or is it Playmaster's House? I was like, is it Playmaster's House piece? That can't be it. But then I was like, these goofy freaks might have fucked with me. (laughs) I mean, probably should change it to that. (laughs) Oh, holy. Wait, hold on. (laughs) I can see the poster now. (laughs) Um, Thank you for coming on, shitheads. You can uh, check out my other podcast, Action Boys at actionboys.biz and 101 Places to Party Before You Die on Max. But if if you only can afford one streaming service this month, hit up Paramount+. Plus. Check yes. out check out fucking Dig Man for fuck's sake, you freaks. Bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. It's actually, it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> now, somewhere... Somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to like see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Oh, there's a fantasy component. There's some sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. bam. 
There's a new game in town. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. What? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room <laughs> Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action, boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now. <laughs>